0: Love, talk radio Welcome to Focus on Albany. I'm Cynthia Pooler, and my guest today is Greg Sheldon, and Greg Sheldon is instrumental in the Albany Victory Gardens in the city. So Greg is here to explain what the Albany Victory Gardens are and how it can benefit the, the community.
1: Greg, how are you doing? Good, good. Thank you for having me on today, Cynthia. It's always a pleasure to speak with you.
0: Thanks, thanks a lot. We don't speak as much as we should, I don't think.
1: So no, tell, no. Us a no, tell,
0: us, tell us a little bit about the Albany Victory Gardens and how it can
1: help the community. Sure. Well, it aims to help the community in multifaceted ways, and I think that there's more awareness now than there has been in the past about the psychological effects of having green space um, where you live and and being exposed to a certain amount of nature. So at the very root of this. There's a, there's a deep connection that we have. Even if you're not a gardener, you know, um, even if you don't engage in the garden, just having, um, in, in, instead of having a vacant lot with crushed stone in it, having something that has life flourishing going through its cycles, and um, not to mention the activity, I think having that presence in uh, urban areas is, is really critical to who we are as people. So right off the mm-hmm. onset by converting these um, vacant lots or wasted land into agriculturally viable landscapes has an effect on everyone around there, whether they interact with it directly or not. And, the way in which it establishes itself. So like when we go into a vacant lot, and we convert it. Um, we're doing so in such a way as to try to combat the effects of um, air pollution. And we've seen the studies of how people in our neighborhoods are disproportionately affected um, with asthma and lung issues. Uh, some of the studies have said, you know, um, is seven hundred more likely to be uh, admitted in the hospital for respiratory issues and for non-Latino blacks in our community, things like that. Um, And I could go Mm -hmm. on, you know, dropping statistic bombs and things. But when we go in to to get into the soil for the first time, we think about what are the uh, factors that are challenging community health and community health equity and how we can confront them, through the recuperation of that land space. So by using a lot of wood chips, just to give a simple example, we can curb some of the stormwater runoff and divert that that additional runoff from the stormwater management system, which, you know, that infrastructure is plaguing our city. And then, of course, that stormwater that gets flushed out into the Hudson and how that – the the effects continue to roll out from one little area of land all the way out into the, into the river and into the ocean and, or into the air. And we understand how a small space and small efforts can have a, a local, regional, and a global impact. So the first moves that we make are trying to formulate something in, in terms of use that will have benefit for not only our local residents, but our community in general and for people and the environment as a whole. Um, But obviously it's a garden and, you know, we, we, our principal purpose is creating a free or uh, cost, costless, cost-free plots of land that any community member can take on um, and learn how to grow their own food. We provide one-on-one training with each gardener. Uh, we provide organic heirloom seed or seed stock, you know, seedlings and things that sometimes we, we start for them. And we build it from the ground up by literally growing the dirt and putting the beds together. And we've had families now uh, in our third year that came the first year and had never planted a seed before. And they started with a 12-by-12-foot plot. And then the next year, uh, you know, they had a 20-by-12. And now this year, we have entire vacant lots that are being farmed by urban farmers that were cultivated themselves through this Albany Victory Gardens project. If I had to succinctly boil down our focus, we um, we want to create access to resources, land, seeds, and otherwise, to grow new community farmers, for them to grow food that they can either eat, sell, or share. Um, Whether it's our abundance planting, where we're growing food for urgent community food needs, whether it's a subsistence garden, family garden, kitchen garden, whatever you call it, where, where people are growing things for their own personal use, or whether people are taking on the economic viability that's inherent in food production and selling their produce at our garden-based market right on Clinton Avenue that's attached to the gardens. So there's no place more local and more organic than you can buy it from. This aspect of the project, building in this economic viability, takes the fresh food access, and it brings it not only to the families of our farmers, but to the entire community. And being in a food desert where there's not a grocery store nearby that has fresh produce, having this kind of quality local produce at a, a reasonable price, sometimes a fraction of the cost of what you pay at a grocery store, where the money is kept in the community, in the hands of the farmers that produce it, uh, that's that's what we want to see as we develop a community food system. We want to see something that's – that that's sustainable in nature, that its form and function is inclusive, and that it's viable for the development of community health equity at all levels. So creating economic viability for uh, our farmers is, is a cornerstone of where we wanna see this project developing over the next two to three years. Um, being able to serve the needs of local restaurants, local grocery stores, local food pantries, um, local uh, food projects. Uh, there, there's a local one called Bridge the Gap that right now is preparing meals uh, that are giving away to homeless residents good home-cooked meals. I mean, you couldn't even find someplace um, using the best possible ingredients, and, and then they're giving them away. We want to be able to support those kinds of initiatives, as well as uh, grocery stores and everything. I mean, when people awaken to their capacity to contribute to, to their community in that way, people who oftentimes feel left out or just don't have an avenue for access, for participation, when, when they can be in the driver's seat uh, using their skills, their time and energy, increasing their own health through the activities, but also being able to provide that, it, it, it gives something. It, it feels so good to know that you have contributed so much. And when they can get paid for doing it by selling their produce, uh, this is a win win all the way around. This is where I think urban agriculture in general is heading. This is a huge cornerstone of urban greening. This is um, getting people involved in, in nature at all is a huge uh, hurdle for getting people to understand their intrinsic relationship to the environment and start to engage more in environmental causes uh, that, you know, we need, quite frankly, to save the planet and save ourselves. So we see a lot of movement going in the right direction with this project, and, and there's an infinite ways, I think, to, to, to identify the, the benefits Uh, to the individuals that are actively involved and the community uh, as a whole. So when you first, when you first created this, Greg,
0: you had no idea that there would be a pandemic, right?
1: Well, the first version of these gardens has taken place overseas. Um, We've worked with Tibetan refugees In the Himalayas, uh, nomadic Himalayan tribal groups. We've worked in the Amazon with uh, indigenous communities, displaced groups, and uh, rural um, impoverished communities around the world where we had this modeled uh, community garden project that was more about necessity than it was about um, hobby gardening. So we were coming from a different background when we engaged this off the bat and I think that there's been a lot of awareness about the potential for something to occur in our society that would challenge um, our current infrastructure and the ability to deliver basic necessities to our most vulnerable populations we definitely had that in mind Of course we had no idea that this coronavirus thing would come as it has but a lot of people are aware of the vulnerabilities in our current infrastructure. And that was not only a big part of our focus, putting it in, but as we first began in pre-development of socializing this program and getting feedback from community members, community residents, um, community leaders, um, you know, Celeste Knight, Norma Chapman, um, uh, the, uh, several members of the Robinson family, uh, you know, talking with people who are engaged on, on a daily basis and tasked with the, incredibly responsi- the incredible responsibility of, of making decisions that impact and shape the future of our community. Uh, this is what they were saying. They were saying, what happens if families that rely on food service programs and, and, and food stamps don't have that resource? Then what do we do? And and they had it crystal clear that this type of a project was a good idea, but also could become very quickly a necessity. So I think that sentiment was shared both by us and the community heading into it. I'm happy to see now um, that in in such intense times that it's able to provide some benefit to those ends. I think that that's really marvelous and a very rewarding feeling for everyone on our team. So what
0: you're doing here in Albany is—is is it being duplicated
1: throughout the country? I would say that we—we we are standing on the on the shoulders of the giants that came before us, uh, and and I know that there is some controversy around even the term Victory Garden, and that I think that it, it would be irresponsible to shy away from addressing some of the roots. Um, although there are many roots that come together to have made the victory gardens, but uh, it, it does, the term itself has a scattered past, but what does not is working together for the preservation of our communities as a whole and coming across socioeconomic, political, religious, racial, every, everything that could be uh, a, a, a divisory principle to come together with this unity focus of working together to take care of each other. Um, victory gardens goes all the way back to world war one and two. And it was the way in which it, facing food shortages that our people work together. We're not celebrating a war. We're not celebrating those wars. Um, in some cases, the, uh, the victory gardens were used to offset the, um, the downturn in production when Japanese Americans were held in internment camps uh, and just arrested. Uh, and, I mean, you know, this is a, this is a, a, a mar on the face of, of American freedom. Uh, the, the actions taken at that time are inexcusable and a lot of the best food production was coming from Japanese Americans in, in California during those times, and when they were incarcerated, that, that production dropped. And the government had to, and one of the reasons, had to spur on individual and localized production to meet the needs of people that couldn't then be met. Now, of course, it wasn't relegated to just that, but it was an aspect of it, and I think it requires uh, discussion. Because we have to, we have to face up to our past to be able to paint the kind of future that we want to see. That's equitable. That's responsible. Um, and and um, and shines a light on these dark corners of our history. But interestingly enough, during the incarceration, there's a lot of documented evidence. Uh, there's still a lot of photographs and things about the Japanese internment camps as an act of rebellion the Japanese farmers grew their own victory gardens inside of these internment camps. Uh, and they were not allowed to do that, but they did it anyway. And so it was a, a, an act of great solidarity. It was an act um, that proclaimed uh, their for their own justice and freedom, something that stood in opposition to the injustice. So th- th- there's lots of different ways to, to fold the pages of this history, but, the concurrent theme throughout all of it is standing up against the forces that threaten the, uh, the wellness of our communities and, uh, and, and making a stand against it in a very impactful way. Feeding each other, feeding ourselves is a primal way uh, for us to, to assert our freedom, our sustainability, and our unity. So we didn't invent that. <laughs> and uh, yeah. I, I, you know, we're we're learning from the past and the people that have come before us. So if anyone is doing it nationally, I don't think they're copying yeah. us as much as they're copying that pure human uh, resolve to work together to overcome. You know, th- th- this whole
0: crisis was just thrown in our face and you know, nobody really expected expected it. So within a short period of time, not only people were getting sick, unfortunately they were dying, and a lot of people lost their jobs and their means to uh, provide for themselves and their family. So yes. since since this economy is in such a turmoil and, you know, people worry about how they're going to put the next meal on the table for their families. That's so important. And how, you know, how are you getting that message out? Here is what we're doing here in Albany. Maybe you should do it in your
1: area. Oh, definitely. And I think that goes from people to people. Social media is a very cool way to show that stuff right now. But I think that – the Victory Gardens concept in our project specifically provides an avenue for solutions because if, you're, if you are, have the health to be able to do it, to, to work in the garden, and pretty much everyone can at some level, um, working to produce your own food cre- increases your own, your own personal health, your own physical health. Uh, just by, by being active and being outdoors in that way. Um, having good health to begin with is one of the greatest ways to combat any illness at any time. Um, and although we see challenges now to our economy and we will see future challenges to the um, infrastructure that delivers our food that is produced nationally or internationally that we rely on as a community, we're gonna see that you can produce a better quality food that's more nutritious by growing it yourself or, or buying it from one of your neighbors who is. So now our physical health is improving from the gardening activities. Our physical health is improving from uh, engaging and, and being able to, you know, eat really super nutrient-dense food. Um, This this is going to help people. So, and if you're out of work and you can work in a garden and you can increase your physical health and you can eat good food and you can increase your nutritional intake and then you have a surplus of food that you can sell or provide to your community, then you're also potentially offsetting some of the economic impact. Now, how feasible this is going to be on a wide scale? Um, Well, this is sort of how we started out as a nation, but I, I think that. The new normal, and people are using that term a lot, is definitely going to include relying on our own sustainability as a cornerstone for our physical, nutritional, mental, emotional, and economic health. So I think Victory Gardens play a part as a solution.
0: When you turn on the TV, sometimes you see news news reports of people lining up for you know, food, and, you know, there's no telling what they're giving out. So what you're talking about, you're talking about, you know, food that's nutritious, that's important, it's vegetables and stuff. So um, I think that that's absolutely phenomenal. And, you know, for people who are hungry and looking for food and and standing standing, or sitting in their car waiting hours for something. This might be the key to the solution. What do you think?
1: Oh definitely. Uh you know, in the in the interim, uh organizations like uh the 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 regional uh food bank, um organizations mm-hmm. like five one eight mutual aid, organizations like Bridge the Gap, uh there there's people that are uh they're they're they're, they're either heroes, or if they don't like the term, they are engaged in heroic acts uh, to support the immediate basic needs of people in our community, uh, working together, overcoming every obstacle, cutting through red tape to get food, to get healthy food and get it uh, to the people that need it now, today. Uh, without them, uh, without their hard work and sacrifice, we wouldn't make it to the long-term solutions that we're looking for. A lot of people would, would really be suffering right now uh, if it weren't for those folks, Paul Kane, Eva Bass, and, and, and everyone involved in all of that work. Um, but long-term, yes, I think that by turning on the faucet for nutritional access, for community programs, for restaurants and a private you know, kitchens and, and, and food service businesses and industry um, at all levels by creating our own locally produced, highly nutritious food source helps all of our people in all of the most important ways. Uh, I would love to go mm-hmm. to Restaurant Depot and get a box of tomatoes that came from uh, within a mile of of the building. You know, stuff like that. Right. It's a... Uh there's been talk on
0: on the news that a lot of the restaurants are not going to reopen. Um, and that's going to devastate communities. That's going to devastate people. And uh, we're looking at a whole new way of life and yeah. people have to get used to it,
1: right? Uh, yes. Well, you know, it's sort of a, it's a bit of a paradigm shift. Um, It's not as much a new way of life as it is a returning to the tenets of a sustainable society. So the way of life that's being threatened and challenged right now uh, wasn't really built to last uh, to begin with. You know, you look at industrial farming and you look at how much soil is being lost yearly through the production of food in those ways. And there's a point where we hit this critical turning point where we are, 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 are getting worse off each year. And uh, you know even in the case of like a, a restaurant owner, someone who's lost their, their job, their business, their career, their investment, their savings, and we overlook how many people weren't cooking their own meals to begin with that were so dependent on that place and, and how right. much – uh, how valuable those places are to us that we've overlooked. So now as we get, we get into this new paradigm, it's going to be about taking a, a, a more sane approach to community development, understanding the risks about uh, some conveniences, and how a lot of times these things that appeared to be beneficial uh, actually had more cost than benefit for us. Uh, One of those examples is really best seen in industrial food production where you have massive farms that are, um, you know, uh, costing more for the earth and, and the farm each year and producing less and less quality food that needs to get on fossil fuel vehicles to travel great distances while the time is going on, the nutrient level and the foods that are being transported are diminishing, and by the time it gets to someone, it costs more and it's worth less. So we're looking at each other. We're reexamining our capacity. We're trying to understand how we can piece together the best parts of all of us uh, to build something new that honors every member of our society and build something that will hopefully be more resistant and withstanding any challenges that we face um, as a community.
0: I know that you – uh, have lived a good part of your life in Albany. How did you get involved? I mean, w- what sparked your interest in
1: something like this? Well, um, I am born and raised in Albany. Um, I'm actually, I don't know if I'm a fifth or sixth generation Albany resident, and my, my whole family is from Albany, and so Albany is, it's it's in my blood. And uh, mm-hmm. Growing up and uh, as a kid in Albany and, and running around and just, you know, all, doing all the kids stuff, you, you don't recognize really the, the fabric of the community that holds this place together, uh, the relationships that are the, the foundation for the greatness and the beauty that we see in our communities. And, you know, as you get older and you mature, you, you take a different look, uh, you have a different um, vantage for for understanding uh, the relationships and the roles that they play uh, in the lives of people and, and looking back, seeing how at the time of my youth, those relationships affected me in a way that I, I was unable to perceive. Um, when I was working overseas uh, for many years doing community development work, I... I didn't consider the needs of my home community because I remembered it different than it was. And after about 10 or so years uh, coming back to Albany with my family, uh, with my wife and our two kids, uh, I I saw a whole new landscape uh, for me. And I saw a way in which I was able to uh, at least attempt to contribute to give something back to the city that raised me, to play a responsible role, um, in, in the, 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 the equitable, sustainable, um, and, and the development of our, our communities in, in, in a way that champion justice, um, that, that's something that I wanted to go after because I felt not, not only that I owed a debt, but seeing that opportunity inspired me. And, uh, I'm not a great man, I'm not a well-educated man, I'm not a wealthy man, Um, and I was really able to pull this project off only by the support of a lot of other people that live in the communities where we're farming, um, and the people that support those communities wanting to support this project. It was definitely a community coalition uh, that came together to make this possible. Um, I can't take credit for it except maybe, you know, pushing to get the ball rolling. And and if I could pass anything along to anyone else who is familiar with the project or maybe just hearing about it for the first time and and thinks it's a good thing, I would say you can do it too. Um, Anybody can, can make this kind of thing happen just by really applying themselves. I think that gumption goes a long way. Uh, and that's been really the only resource in my toolkit, so that's all I've had to apply to it. And if I can do it, certainly, you know, anyone at home listening could do it as well. Uh, Probably even better. (laughs) We're
0: we're, we're out of time, so uh, give yourself a little plug.
1: Um, Yes, uh, the Albany Victory Gardens Project is on Clinton Avenue, Quail Street, and First Street. Uh, A good address to get over there is 456 First Street. Uh, We still have plots available. If anyone is interested in learning how to be a farmer and has never done it before, do not be intimidated. We have lots of other people that will help you. Uh, If you're a master gardener, come help us produce additional produce uh, for urgent community food needs. And as always, um, the, the space is open to anyone there's room for everyone in the community, and we sincerely invite you with our hearts open. We do ask that everyone who comes maintain social distancing, and on Saturdays, we have our garden meetings uh, at around noon, and all are welcome. Thank you, Cynthia. Thank
0: you, Greg. Uh, you've been listening to Greg Sheldon, and I'm sure we will talk again. So uh, I'm Cynthia Kohler. This is focused on Albany. If you like this show, like us on Facebook, follow us on Twitter, download on your smartphone, subscribe to iTunes if you have a comment about this show, hashtag Focus on Aubrey. Thanks, Greg, and thank you, everybody, for listening. Have a wonderful day.
1: Thank you, Cynthia.